This is the Horse Radio Network. Greetings, everyone. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily, episode 1355, brought to you today by Greenflower Botanicals. This time, we have farrier Steve Krauss, who's going to bust some myths on winter hoof care with a little help from Horses in the Morning co-hosts Glenn and Jamie. But before we get to our tip, we're going to get a little myth busting from Roger at Greenflower Botanicals because he's going to explain what CBD oil is and what it isn't. And now our own Dr. Wendy Ying speaks with Roger from Greenflower Botanicals in a series we call CBD Oil 101. Today we're going to do CBD Oil 101. So, Roger, what is CBD oil and how can it benefit us? Uh, first of all, CBD is a cannabinoid that we find in hemp as well as in marijuana plants. And so hemp and marijuana are kind of sister plants. And we extract that out of the hemp plant. And it is one of about 100 different cannabinoids that are found in these plants. And each of these cannabinoids have some type of medicinal benefit. CBD especially carries just a tremendous amount of medicinal benefits. If you're familiar with the medical marijuana movement, CBD is actually the cannabinoid that's responsible for most of the medicinal benefits coming out of the the medical marijuana movement. But the difference is it, unlike THC, which is a probably the most famous cannabinoid people are familiar with. Uh, It does not get you high. It has no intoxicating properties to it. And because we're able to extract it out of hemp, it's federally legal and legal in all states. And what kind of conditions can we use CBD oil for in both people and animals? Well, CBD actually can be used for a host of things. Some of the most popular ones are anxiety, it's an anti-inflammatory, it's an analgesic, so it's wonderful for uh, combating pain. It is antioxidant, uh, and it's also good for nausea and things of that, so very soothing to the stomach. But again, probably the lion's share of people that are purchasing it are coming at it for to relieve pain or anxiety in their horses or their animals. For for dogs, it's wonderful for separation anxiety or they get upset with storms, um, joint uh, issues, stomach issues, um, things like that. For, for horses, a lot of people are using it for arena anxiety and helping the animal learn more. So there's really so much um, that CBD oil can do. Well, we're going to continue this conversation about CBD oil in weeks to come. So, Roger, how can people find Greenflower and your products? Uh, Very easy. Uh, You can go right to the website, which is greenflowerbotanicals.com. All of our products are there, and also we have a special coupon code for our HRN listeners. So once you're at checkout and you see the area for the coupon, just put in HRN, and uh, that'll give you 20% off any of our products. If you show your horses, please check with your federation on the legal use of CBD oil. And there you have it. And now on with our tip. Well, we have Steve Krauss, the head of Farrier Services at Cornell University. And Steve has been on our show a ton and he has a wealth of knowledge about the hoof. So we wanted to talk to you a little bit about the myths surrounding hoof care. Well, I think one of the biggest questions that people have as far as uh, coming into the winter season is 
Should you pull your horse's shoes in the winter because they have better traction in the snow uh, and ice barefoot versus wearing a shoe? Um, and, and what is your, uh, as somebody who really hasn't ever lived in a snowy area, but I'm in a place now where there is going to be snow, I would love to know the answer to this question. Well, this is a common question, and, and this is a kind of has a kind of a multiple answer here. So in, where we live in upstate New York, it does snow but it doesn't snow all the time. It used to snow all the time. And I think maybe, you know, climate varies back and forth. Sometimes we have snowy, icy winters and other times we have very open, but cold winters. So what happens in um, like November, people ask me if I'm the weatherman. Is it gonna, <laughs> when is it gonna snow? Because they are thinking of putting traction on and anti-snowball pads and so on. And, you know, do you think it's going to snow soon or you think it's, you know, what kind of winter? So I'm like, I'm a horseshoer. I'm not the weatherman. Um, so so I'm, I'm like in the end of November, I'm not going to see you till January. And we do get a lot of snow anytime after Thanksgiving. And that's what we did this year. And but who knows what it's going to do. So if you're going to prepare for winter, now's the time to start doing it in the snowy climates. So that, that's the beginning of this. So, again, climate and moisture and how much snow really affects what we really need. Uh, first, I want to say is if, if the horses are on a constant snowpack and are not being used for anything, uh, you know, not doing any kind of real work, the, the feet hold up the best on a nice constant snowpack. Well, we always don't get that. But if we have the freeze-thaw cycle, if we have a lot of ice, um, a, a steel shoe without any other traction device is slippery on ice and can be slippery on snow. So yes, a horse without shoes is probably safer um, than a horse with steel shoes without any traction. But however, on ice and, and hard packed snow and crossing roads, if you're trail riding, some type of traction is definitely more safe and, and useful to using the horse if, um, uh, if you apply it properly. Mm -hmm. And then if you're going to shoe the horse then, and it's snowy, then you also need some type of uh, pad uh, to reduce the snow buildup. Because what happens is we call it snowballing. We have um, the slight warmth that radiates from the horse's foot. Um, melts a little bit of snow and then freezes it to the steel and then it cakes up into what we call a snowball. So uh, some type of pad, uh, like a polyurethane flat pad or a bubble pad, which is called a, a, a snowball pad, um, stops that from happening. But what I like the best for this is um, what's called a no snow rim pad, which is a rim pad that goes on with this uh, rubber tube or polyurethane tube it goes around the inside rim, and that insulates the hoof from the uh, uh, the, the, the snow and, and doesn't let the melt, plus it's flexible. And if you have a freeze-thaw winter and you don't have this muddy, snowy, slushy soup migrating underneath the flat pad, so it keeps the foot open um, when there's no snow and you don't get a buildup of, of, of things that rot the foot away, and then when there is snow, it keeps the snow from building up. And so pads and studs are quite um, 
uh, big item in the Northeast this time of year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, man, I'm glad I don't have to deal with all that. I'm down in Oklahoma, so we will get some snow and then it'll melt and then we'll get some slush and some mud. So yeah, interesting to think about and, and to think about you would see somebody in November, but really not see him again till February. And that's leads me to another question that people have is do the horses, the, the hoof growth, does it slow down in the winter? Yeah. Uh, uh, from what I have seen, and my observation is mostly in the Northeast, um, as we start to lose daylight, and that you know starts happening in June, uh, the end of you know summer solstice, you know the feet react and start slowing down by the end of the summer into fall, and as we get into this time of year, um, again the horses you know hormones react to the length of day. So feet are slowing down in December and January, and there's a month or so lag behind the actual, you know, uh, you know, the solstice. And then I've noticed with horses, especially horses that are inside, and we have a lot of indoor arenas around here, they're turned out a little bit, but they're not grazing any, or there's nothing to eat, you know, growing yet. The feet really start speeding up uh, in growth at the end of March and April, and they'll grow probably twice as much in 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 april and may than they've had in the three previous months interesting interesting uh, especially thoroughbred horses who need more energy to stay warm and you know they're putting it into their coats and so on so my observation over like the last 50 years around here has been this slowing of growth on not all horses but most of them uh that i've worked on uh, during the winter months and then speeding up in springs and then slowing down by the end of the summer into fall. So with some horses, you would go to redo them on a six-week schedule and you would get there and you would look like nothing has grown. Mm. It's not worth redoing them. It's not worth trimming them. So that you know, it kind of varies to the individual horse too, but also um, it's the... Uh, um, the climate is going to have an influence too. I know yeah. if the down in Wellington and South Florida and Ocala, uh, the feet are probably growing a bit quicker down here. They have more warmth. They're probably um, uh, on it, uh, the more moisture. So that's going to influence uh, more hoof growth too. That was I was going to ask you that because we live in Florida, and I was wondering, does it do the same thing for the horses that live here full time? You know, all year. I, I think, you know, in, in the more, uh, you know, in the Northeast and, and, and throughout the, you know, upper Midwest and so on, you do have, you know, a change of seasons that's very noticeable. And uh, whereas in Florida, especially, you have, you know, more constant moisture conditions and, and so on. And that, you know, I don't think the horses are going to respond uh, to that length of day change as much. And plus they're probably being exercised more down there too. You know, there's more activity in, in Florida over the winter. So mm-hmm. exercise, uh, nutrition, uh, all that stuff, uh, combines with, with the, you know, the length of day also there. Are, so a lot of factors, not just one thing, but we noticed in the Northeast, the slowing of the growth, uh, during, during the winter. Is there a benefit to hot shoeing versus cold shoeing, especially in the winter? Well, the, the main benefit, well, well, lots of good benefits to hot shoeing. What I like about hot shoeing dur- during the winter, it keeps my hands warm. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and, 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 you know, we could go out on some of these days and, you know, uh, a lot of us keep pretty busy shoeing all kinds of horses during the winter. And um, having that forge going uh, is a nice heat source. You can warm your tools up a little bit. Um, and and it, 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 if you pound on cold metal during this kind of cold weather, it, it's very it, the metal is even actually a little bit um, harder to work when you get into the 20s and and less if you know if you're going to be out there so hot shoeing is a benefit to shaping the shoes itself um, especially as you get out of the light shoes and get into you know standard and wide web rim shoes they're not going to shape very well cold um, and easily especially in the cold weather so um, you know you need the forge to shape them properly and to do any modifications so that's hot shaping Hot fitting is taking that shoe while it's warm and checking the fit, burning a clip in. And the benefits of, of hot fitting is you can do your final uh, uh, flattening of, of the foot if you have a perfectly flat shoe and have a little bit of an imperfection in the, sole, uh, in the wall surface. You can actually singe that and, and burn a little bit away or leave a mark for you to rasp. Um, uh, but it, again, in climate has a huge, um, uh, influence on uh, the benefits of hot fitting. So again, down in South Florida, where you're very moist, you not only have in some cases, excessive moisture, but you also have lots of fungi and bacteria that like to eat away at the hoof. So when you hot fit, you are killing that bacteria. Number one. You are also sealing off the bottom of the foot because the horn tubules are like little straws. And if you notice, if you trim a horse's foot and they're standing on a flat surface and the horse picks his foot up after a minute, there's an imprint of moisture where the foot was. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. see all this moisture is, is coming in, running out of the foot or, 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 you know, ability to move too much. So what the guys who shoe regularly down in South Florida will do, they will hot fit for the reason of sealing those, those horn tubules off, which tightens up the foot, makes it a little bit stronger. And it also kills all the fungi and bacteria that are trying to invade. So the problem you run into, and these guys down there are so smart, they figured out how to get around this. Um, if you are shoeing a lot of performance horses with aluminum shoes, the aluminum cannot get hot enough to do a good hot fit. So they those guys down there in Wellington invented what they call the hot plate. And so they put a, a hoof-shaped piece of uh, steel plate in the forge to heat that up. And they have a little notch they can fit their tongs into. And they actually hot fit a plate onto the foot before they nail their aluminum shoe on to kind of reproduce that hot fitting a steel shoe would do isn't that ingenious that's really smart they they made it work for them well one more question see right. we're running and out of go sorry go ahead yeah. uh well again you know they're just solving a problem <laughs> and they find the feet hold up better that's fantastic. Very cool. Um, before we let you go, one more question, because uh, I know I, I deal with a lot of off the track thoroughbreds and I know a lot of our listeners do too. And it's a, a question about horses that have really low heels. Some people think that they might've been trimmed too short. Is that the case or is it confirmation and can it be fixed? It's more of a confirmation problem. Um, uh, a lot of thoroughbreds off the track, 
have developed in front what's called a, a flat or negative uh, palmar angle. And behind, we call that a plantar angle. And that's the angle of the bottom of the coffin bone with the ground. And that is a bit of a confirmation problem. Uh, uh, so the horse is actually, uh, instead of having a positive of four to six degree um, coffin bone angle with the ground, it's either flat or negative. And that compresses the digital cushion and makes for what we call the low heeled horse. And so there's, and the thing you do not want to do without looking at the horse is just wedge it up because the horse is already hitting his heels too hard. You, sometimes you just got to bring the support further back or, or do some frog pressure to help the, the bony column because the horse is actually sinking backwards in his hoof capsule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, people always want to put it, like, you should put a wedge on that. But to me, that first of all, you put the wedge in it and they're hitting that heel more. And I feel like sometimes if you wedge it up, the fetlock drops even more, putting more. Correct. Exactly. That's the biomechanics. You got that 100% right. And a lot well, of people get that 100% wrong and, and, and do the opposite thing. And then they create problems. So if you're listening, first of all, Steve Cross just said I was right. I was just, I was just going to uh, say, she is going to use that. I'm no, going to have to take it out as a soundbite and use it forever. <laughs> no, but uh, you, you explained it exactly the way I would explain it. So if you guys are, you know, you have a horse with really low heels, do not let a farrier put a wedge pad on it because confirmationally that fetlock will drop and put more stress on the suspensory ligaments and more stress on the bottom of that heel. So just keep that in mind because I've heard so many people say, just put, you got to put a wedge pad on it. No, don't do that. Um, and I'm going to end with Steve Krause telling me that I was right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steve, it's always so awesome having you on because you explain things in a way that we can all understand. And I really appreciate your time. Where can people, if they want to contact you, uh, find you, or where can people find out more about Cornell University Farrier Program? Well, we have a Facebook page, Cornell Farrier Program on Facebook, easy to find. Um, they can contact me, uh, email is S E K seven, eight at cornell.edu. Um, and they can, uh, go on the Cornell veterinary college's website and search for farrier and you can find all kinds of stuff about us. So, um, we have a great program here and we train a lot of farriers and some of which are working down in Wellington this winter. And that's a wrap. You can find more tips at horsetipdaily.com. Don't forget, you can download the app if you're not listening that way already. Horse Radio Network has its very own app. It is free and easy to use. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. It does work for both iPhone and Android devices. This is Coach Jen, and I will be back again soon with another tip. So until then, go ride your horse. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements made by guests on the Horse Tip Daily. Please use your own judgment when listening to the tips on this show.